Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Gathering Church, a place of grace. Sit back, relax, and listen in. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you today, and we thank you for this beautiful day that you have created, Lord. Father God, you have brought us from the north, the south, the east, and west, oh God, in this place called The Gathering, Lord God that we might worship you in the beauty of holiness, Lord God, that we would dominate territory for you, Lord God, that we would live lives that are on fire, oh God, that are examples, oh God, that, 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 that are, oh God, oh, monuments of your glory and of your power, Father. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Come now. Speak to the hearts of your people. You know what we need to hear. As our faces differ, so does our need. So, Father, don't let us leave the same way we came. In the name of Jesus, we pray for a rhema word, a right now word, that would speak to the hearts of your people. In the precious name of Jesus. And if you believe that this morning, say amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we are in week two of our Dominate Message series. If you were here last week, we had a great kickoff. And we spoke about how God wants us to dominate as a people. Now, many times we use the word dominate in a negative connotation. You think about someone who's being controlling, someone who's being manipulative. But when I read the word of God, God called his people to dominate territory. He called his people, amen, to to take dominion and to have influence, amen. And I believe that this is the time where God is calling his people here, especially at the Gathering Church, to take territory. He wants us to have dominion. He wants us to dominate. Now, just a recap of what we talked about last week. Last week's message was inherit, amen, and now it's going to bring us right into what we're going to talk about today, which is being devoted to God. When we talked about the word dominate, the word dominate means to be larger in number. How many believe the Gathering Church, God's calling the Gathering Church to be larger in number, Amen. Y'all sound kind of weak there. Come on. Larger in quantity. Larger in power. Larger in status. Larger in importance. The word dominate means to occupy a commanding post. Amen? How many believe that God has called you to be the head and not the tail? He's called you to be in a commanding post. He has called you to have influence. And that's the last part, to have major influence. In other words, nothing gets done, amen, unless it comes, amen, through the dominating force, amen. And so we believe in that God is calling us to take territory this year. He is calling us to dominate. He is calling us to enlarge our borders, amen. There's a prophet who came and spoke to us many years ago that God is calling us to break out. He's calling us to enlarge territory. According to the, according to the Bible, it says in Isaiah 52, verse 2 through 17, that God wants to enlarge our borders. He wants to enlarge our coasts. And I believe that this is the season which God wants to do that. This is the season where God wants you to rise up. It's not just a corporate taking over, but it's a personal taking over. I believe there's some territory that God is calling you to take over. I believe there's some things that God is causing you to change. Amen? We're not called just to be thermometers. We're called to be thermostats. We're called to be those very things, those very agents of change, those catalysts that bring, God, that bring dominion, that bring God's power, and that brings the solution. I still believe that Jesus is the answer for the world today. 
when we look at our oil crisis, when we look at the earthquake that just happened in Japan, when we look at all of the different things that are going on in Libya, the, 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 the issues that are just happening in Egypt and all the different things that are happening around our world, Jesus is still the answer for the world today. Do you believe that this morning? Jesus is still the answer to your financial crisis. Jesus is still the answer to your relationship crisis. Jesus is still the way, the truth, and the light. And we cannot forget that this morning. Because everything comes from Him. And God wants us to have devoted hearts for Him this morning. We spoke last week briefly about having a clear vision that the vision that God gives us is static. It's something that's stationary. It's something that's not movable. Um, the vision will always be the vision. The vision will never change. We said the vision statement of the gathering church is that we will become a place of grace, amen, where people far from God experience life in Christ. Can we say that again? The gathering church is a place of grace where people far from God experience life in Christ. Amen. That's our focus. That's everything we do is contingent upon the vision. The vision never changes. The vision, it always remains the same. But we always also talked about God gives us strategy. Now, the strategy is fluid. The strategy changes. In other words, there's different ways to get the work accomplished. Amen? There's different ways to get to the end. And so many times God would change the strategy. Amen? And so we spoke about how God would change the strategy, but in order to have a great strategy, you need to have a clear vision. Then we spoke about having audacious faith, that bold faith, loud faith, brassy faith, that courageous faith that God wants us to dare to believe. The question is, is your faith speaking today? Because last time that I checked, God only responds to faith. He doesn't respond to your fear. So he wants us to have audacious faith. And then I spoke about being dressed for the wedding. What you mean by that? Get the tape and listen to the CD and you'll understand what I mean by that. God wants us to be dressed. He wants us to be prepared for the wedding. So that brings us to what we're going to talk about today. Amen. We're going to speak about being devoted today. Being devoted, daring to trust God, daring to believe him for great things. Many times as Christians, we find ourselves becoming so preoccupied by the cares of this life. We find ourselves in a place of waiting for the promise of God to be manifested in our lives. We find ourselves becoming discouraged and becoming dismayed by the situations that we see around us. And so then we begin to lose heart and we begin to doubt God and we really begin to just operate in fear because we feel that what God has said is not coming to pass. God's timing will often challenge our devotion to his plan and promise for our lives. I think I need to say that again. God's timing will often challenge our devotion to his plan and promise for our lives. Last week we, we opened up and we, we read about Abraham and how God called Abraham to get up from his father's house, from his country, from the very things that were familiar to him. And the Bible says Abraham obeyed God. And he took the step of faith. He did not even know where he was going. We don't know where we're going, but we know that we're going to the place that God has predestined 
for us. I don't know about the church building. I don't know what the future looks like. But he said he has a beautiful, he has a, he has a great future for us. That's what the word of God says. And so Abraham took a step of faith that God had a big and beautiful future. God says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your descendants like the sand of, of, of the sea. Come on. He said, I'm going to bless you so much that you're going to be a blessing. You're blessed, hey, to be a blessing. I'm going to transition you. I'm, I'm going to change your whole life around. You've been without, but now I'm about to give it to you. The very thing that you've been waiting for, the very thing that you've been asking God to do. He said, I'm going to do it. And so Abraham goes through his journey. Amen. You read from chapter 12, and you read the different chapters, and finally he enters into the land of Canaan, the land that God had promised him. And many times what happens is we come into God's promises prematurely. (laughs) And we say, Lord, well, this is it. Now what? Is this it? Lord, you call me to be a pastor. Is, Is this it? This is what I was predestined to do? Really? Is there any more to this? Is there any more to what I could be doing? Really? This is it? So I'm going to spend from 24 to whatever you take me home just doing this? Wow. This is it. And so, like I said, many times God's timing would challenge our devotion to him. We read in Genesis chapter 16, verse 1. Here we begin to read of God's word. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord, now check this out, The Lord has kept me from having children. She got sick of waiting, so she blamed it on the Lord. Isn't that what we do sometimes? We get sick of waiting. God promised us something that we got to blame him for. Well, you said you're going to do this, and you didn't do it, and you said about this time, and nothing's happening. And she said, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to do what Sarah said. This is the only time where you really, men, married men, need to really disagree with their wives. I don't know what, what Abraham was thinking. <laughs> so Abraham had been living in Canaan for 10 years. So here he is. He's living in the promised land. The land that God swore to him. He's living in it now. Okay? He, he, he's fought giants. He, he's fought battles. He's done all those things to occupy the land. Remember, to, 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 to dominate means to occupy. Come on. So he occupied the territory. And so now he's waiting for the second part of the thing that God promised for him. And some of you, God has promised you a whole package. But you only have seen a portion of it come to pass. But I'm here to encourage you this morning to let you know to hold on. Don't be like Abram and and, and try to do your own thing to get the promises of God manifested. The Bible says Abram agreed to what Sarah said. And so after that, Abraham had been living in Canaan for 10 years. Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. Verse 4, he slept with Hagar. And she conceived. But keep on reading. doesn't stop there. When she saw that she was pregnant, this is Sarah. When Sarah saw that um, Miss Hagar was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. In other words, because, because, because Abraham, because Sarah did not fully trust the Lord, they were not fully devoted to God, 
they opted out for second best. And I'm here to encourage you this morning and tell you, keep waiting. Keep holding on. Don't opt out for second best. Women waiting on a spouse, don't opt out for second best. Come on. You waiting for things to get right? Don't opt out for second best. Don't take the easy way out. The easy way out always leads to trouble. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Come on. Come on. They shall walk and not be weary. They shall run and not faint. Come on. That's the promise that God gives us. If we would deal wait, if we would deal trust Him, He would do that what He said He's going to do. We have another situation in the Word of God where we look at Joshua. Now here it is now. Here's many centuries later. Okay? Many centuries later, and they're trying to occupy Canaan again. Okay? And so what happens is, if you look in Joshua chapter 7, this is after Moses died, Joshua took the helm of leadership of Israel, and they consecrated themselves. They just won the battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. And so when the walls came tumbling down, amen, Joshua said, okay, do not keep anything in this city. Let everything be burned down to the ground. All this stuff is devoted to destruction. It's devoted to destruction. So let's read chapter 7, verse 1 of Joshua. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. These are the things that were marked for destruction. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Now Joshua sent up from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Aven, to the east of Bethel, and told them, go up and spy out the region. They were looking to dominate. They were looking to take territory. But when they returned to Joshua, they said, not all the army will have to go up against Ai. Send two or three thousand men to take it and do not weary the whole army. Come on, they got a little, they got a little full of themselves. We don't even need the army for this. Just, just a few of us. That's all we need. It'll get the job done. But only a few people live there. So about three thousand of them went up, but were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about thirty-six of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. And this, or at this, the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. Why did that happen? Because they didn't trust God. They were more, they were more devoted to the devoted things they were to God. God said these things were marked for destruction. And the sad thing is, and this, this, and this was quite interesting to me, that God was holding Israel, thousands, thousands upon Israel was a big nation. This was not some little, you know, small posse. This was a huge nation. But God allowed, allowed them to lose a battle. Why? Because of one man's sin. Achan. Achan. Achan took some of the devoted things, the things that were marked for destruction, 
from Jericho. And he caused all of Israel to stumble and fall. They didn't know what happened. When this happened, Joshua ripped his garments. He got on his face. He's like, God, what's going on? And God says, I'm going to call them out tribe by tribe, clan by clan, family by family, name by name, until we get down to the one who did it. Until we get down to the corporate. Thank God he doesn't do that today. Amen. He'll call us household by household, <laughs> name by name, until we get down to the one who done it. Amen. And the important, the, 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 the important story that we get from this account is that we all affect each other. And the thing is, God, why God got so angry with Israel because he had covenanted with them that I'm going to be your Jehovah Jireh. I'm going to be your provider. I'm going to give you Canaan. I'm going to give you the lamb flowing with milk and honey. But what did Achan take? Achan took the riches from Jericho. And so in, that, in him doing that, those things that were marked from destruction, Achan was saying, Lord, I don't trust you. I don't want you covered. I want to get this myself. I don't want to get the riches your way. It's easy just to go this way. And so he was not devoted to God, but he was devoted to things. And I'm here to challenge you this morning. What are you devoted to? If you're going to dominate for God this year, what are you devoted to? You devoted to your job? You devoted to your, your wallet, that money? You devoted to your wife? I hope so. But are you devoted to God? Are you devoted to God? Is God number one in your life? When we look at the word devoted, devoted means to give up or to appropriate or to concentrate on a particular pursuit, purpose, or cause. It means to appropriate by a vow, as by a vow, to set apart or to dedicate. It means to consecrate. Are you devoted? Are you devoted to God? We have an awesome example of someone who was devoted to God. When we look on the account of Jesus in Luke chapter 22, and Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, one of the hardest parts of his life, moments where he was moments just before he was about to be crucified. There was a test going on inside of Jesus Christ. There was a battle going on inside of him. And he began to pray, Lord, if this cup can pass by me, if there's any other way that we can get this thing done for all of humanity, this is now the time to show me. This is really not the time to show me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. In other words, I'm not, just devo I'm not devoted to trying to get out the situation. I'm devoted to go through the situation because my heart is devoted for you. It's devoted completely towards you. And I'm going to trust you to bring me through. Jesus was saying, Lord, not my will. In other words, I would love another outcome right now. Because many times when we pray to God, we, we come to God with the outcome we want already. Let's just be real. Lord, I need you to bless me because I want it this way, I want it that way, and you got to do it this way. And we're already telling God this is the way we want it to be done. And then when he doesn't do it that way, because we at the end, Lord, and we say, Lord, let the... And so, it doesn't go the way we want it to go. And then we got the nerve to get upset at God. We got the audacity to get angry with him because he didn't give us a job we wanted. Because he didn't give us the spouse we wanted. Because he, we, he, he didn't do the thing that we, we wanted him to do the way we wanted him to do it. But if we're saying, Lord, we're devoted to you, in other words, you are sovereign. 
That means however you want to happen, whatever you want, however you want to transpire, however you want the situation to end, you are in control. You are sovereign. You're going to be the one to bring me through. However, whenever, I don't know, you're going to do it. I'm trusting you. I'm devoted to you. Not my will, but thine will be done. I'm trusting you, Jesus. I'm trusting you to bring me through. When we are devoted, it's not something that we do just to be doing it. When you're devoted, devoted is driven out of passion and compassion. It's something that's deep within your being, deep within your heart, within your soul. We always go many times through this struggle of duty versus devotion. And many times we're challenged in that area because many times if we don't stay devoted, if we don't keep that passion and compassion alive in our hearts, it will instantly just go to duty. And stuff becomes dry, it becomes mechanical, and it becomes non-authentic. So you've been in relationships like that. You know, before it was so easy to love you. So easy to love you. Then after a while, I don't really feel like loving you. I got to leave you. You know, and it's just over. Because you've lost, you lost that devotion. You lost that devotion. And many times as Christians, we can easily lose our devotion to God. And it can become a duty. It can become something we just do religiously. I told the Lord, I said, I don't want to become a professional Christian. You know what a professional Christian is. You say all the right things. You know how to, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, and God's going to fix it for you, and God is going to do it. And you just know all the proper things to say, and it sounds good, but there's no power. There's no substance behind you. There's no authority. When you pray, it's just like, okay, that was very auspicious and very beautiful. How you orient that beautiful prayer. That was nice. But there's nothing behind it. I like to get to one page that says, Jesus, and the whole place shakes. There's someone born for God, almighty in heaven, king of kings, oh, and nothing happened. You know when somebody is devoted to God. Because you can feel them. You can sense them. You, 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 you feel the passion coming out of them. You can look around and worship. I'm pretty sure the worship team sees who's passionate and who's just sitting there like a lump of a lot. And while they cry, Lord, I love you. Thank you, Lord. They're like, okay, five more minutes of worship. Okay. You may be seated. And there's no passion because you're coming out of duty. But God wants you to have passion today. He wants you to be on fire for him today. You see, when you do something out of duty, it's performance out of obligation. You're just, you're just doing things because you feel forced to do it. You're just doing the art of the thing, the art of the matter. You're not doing it because it's something that you really want to do. You feel obligated. You feel forced to do it. But when you do something out of devotion, it's performance out of passion. It's a desire. It's something that comes from the heart. It's something that comes from deep inside of you. No one has to ask you to do it. You just will to do it. You just have a burning desire to do it. I saw some of you this morning that we were setting up for worship. 
they took the curtains and it was just doing it. It wasn't complaining, I've got to pick these curtains up. I've got to set it up this way. Where's the screw? It wasn't none of that. I saw Brother Caleb this morning. He was loading up the truck and loading up his car. He wasn't oh, every week. Every other week, I'm here doing this. No! We start praise the Lord, Pastor. How you doing? Here's the elbow. Come on. I'm carrying something. Here you go. I'll give you a hug later. What's up? That's the type of devotion that God wants us to have. When, when you become flustered and become frustrated, you have to check your heart. Check your heart. Check your heart. Check. Look at your neighbor real quick. Say, check your heart. Check your heart. Now make sure your heart is right. Because when your heart is not right, it affects your art. When your heart is not right, it affects your art. You cannot function in the fullness of who God created you to be. Because you have placed limitations because there's no passion to drive it. Passion is your fuel. It gets you going. It gets you excited. It gives you the momentum, the inertia that you need to propel you for. And when you don't have that, you're operating in a slow motion. You're barely just making it. And that's how some of us are living. We're just barely just making it because we have no passion. Are you devoted to God or what? God wants us to trust Him. God wants us to trust Him. It can be difficult sometimes for us to hand over control of our life to our loving Creator. But as Christians, we know that we must trust in God, as long as things are going well. If things start to get bad, we should obviously stop trusting Him, because we gave Him control of our life so that He would only have good things happen to us. So if bad things happen in our life, God has clearly violated our trust and needs to earn it back. When we are having trouble in our life, we need to trust in our own ability to fix the situation. But when things calm down and there's nothing to worry about, feel free to trust in God again. Because trusting in God some of the time is better than not trusting Him at all. These have been Deep Thoughts from a Shallow Christian. Are we trusting in Him today? Are we just trusting in Him, trusting in him when it's easy just to trust in Him? God wants us to have real faith. He wants us to believe Him today. I believe that God wants to dominate your life. He wants to dominate your life with his love. God is after you. He loves you so much. If we look in the book of Romans chapter 11, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. Amen. And in in the latter part of chapter 11, it's a doxology. And this is his time of where he's just magnifying God and, and showing how big and how mighty God is. Now, remember, when the Bible was written, there was no verses on chapters. Every time you see a book of the Bible, it really was a letter that was that long. Some of you can't read an email that's a page. Magic pages of scroll. Amen? And so, as we read the doxology in verse 33, it says, All the depths of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his path beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who can or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? From him, for from him 
and through him and for him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Close in verse 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Another, another word for worship. This is your true and proper devotion. God is saying to us today, in, in view of my mercy, of my greatness, of my power, of my wisdom, I want you to be devoted to me. I want you to trust me. I want you to, to, to give your life to me. I want to dominate you with my love. I want to overshadow you. He wants to dominate you. God is after your life today. He's after you. He's running hard for you. If you don't know Jesus Christ today, if you're not walking with him today, he's after you today. He's talking to you this morning. If you've been saved and you've been feeling a little far from God, you're in the right, right proper place because this is the place where people far from God can't experience his life today. God is after you. My old bishop used to say, all he wants is you. <laughs> no one else with you. Not just a part. He wants all of your heart. All he wants is you. God wants all of your heart today. You cannot dominate unless your life has been dominated by God. You can say, oh, Pastor, I'm with you. We're going to dominate. We're going to take territory. We're going to do it for God. Amen. You cannot dominate unless your life has been dominated by God. God loves you that much. He wants to dominate your life. It says, therefore, I urge you. In other words, I strongly encourage you. This is Apostle Paul speaking. He said, I encourage you. I urge you, brothers. King James, I like the King James word. I beseech thee. I like that. That's how I'm Sometimes you read the King James, like, I beseech thee. I like, and you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost. See, NIV is Holy Spirit. But King James is Holy Ghost. It's just something that sounds a little special. I'm just old school when it comes to that. But he said, I beseech you, I encourage you, I urge you. He said, in view of God's mercy, in view of all the goodness of God, of him sending his son to die for you on Calvary, in view of him going through all the suffering and shame on the cross, in view of all the things that, you, all the things that he's been through for you, in view of his mercy that's extended to you, in view of all that, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That word holy, another word, devote. Holy means consecrated, set apart. He said, I want you to live a devoted life because Christ lived a devoted life. He had the opportunity to pass up the cup and said, let this cup pass by me, but he drank from the cup. He drank for the cup for you, so therefore he wants you to drink from the cup for him. He said, I come to dominate you so that you may dominate for me. Come on. That's what he wants us to do today. He wants to dominate your life. He wants to take control. God is not like man that he is bossy. He's a gentleman. Amen. 
He loves you with an unconditional love. He doesn't hold your past in your face. He doesn't wave and say, aha, but you did that back then. Look what you did last night. And even look what you did. He doesn't do that. He's a God of mercy in view of God's mercy. In other words, I see all the goodness of God around me. I have no choice. I am devoted just to live my life for him. To give myself completely to him. When God dominates your life, and when he takes over your life, it leads to a life of surrender. That's a place that Abraham had to come to. He made his mistake. And finally God answered and showed forth his promises when he birthed Isaac finally through Sarah. The one who said, the Lord really doesn't want me to have children. No, the Lord did. You just need to wait on him a little while longer. Through Achan, unfortunately, he didn't make it with the rest of the team because he wasn't a team player. But yet they went up to Ai and they won the battle the second time. God is the God of mercy. The way we get to a place of devotion is by surrendering to him. God says to Jesus Christ in Luke 9, 23, the New Living Translation says, Then he told them, what they could expect for themselves. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me leave. Oh, I love that. Jesus said, if you want to be with me, you got to let me leave. You got to get out of the driver's seat. If you want to be with me, you got to let me leave. Come on. That's it. Husband, so your wife want to be with me? You got to let me leave. And the men say Amen. Are y'all some leaders in the house or what? Don't get scared because your wife next to you. You're the leader. All right. Amen. He said, if you want to let me leave, if you, if you want to follow me, you have to let me leave. You are, here it is. You're not in the driver's seat. <laughs> he said, I am. <laughs> Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. In other words, you're going you're gonna to have trouble time. <laughs> you, you, you can believe that. You're gonna, God does not promise everything is going to be a-okay. He never gave that promise. But he said in the midst of hardship, in the midst of pain, in the midst of tribulation, he said, I'll show you how to, how to deal with it. I'll help you. Embrace it. Don't run from it because you're still going to get it anyhow. You still, you, you're going to have trouble. It's a promise. But he's going to help you get through it. I love also the way the Amplified says, uh, um, speaks, and, and speaks of Luke 9, 23. And he said to all, if any person wills to come after me, let him deny himself. Here it is, disown himself, forget, lose sight of himself and his own interests and refuse and give up on himself. In other words, forget about yourself. Forget about it. Forget about yourself. Get yourself out of the way and take up your cross, here it is, daily and follow me. What does it mean to follow me? It says, cleave steadfastly to me, confirm wholly to my example in living, and if need be, dying also. He said, I want you to conform your life to me. I want you to be devoted. I want you to live the way I live my life. I live a devoted life. And if you're going to conquer and take territory the way I did, you have to live your life the way I did. God is looking for a daily devotion. 
a devotion that's not out of just habit, a devotion that comes from the depths of yourself. He's not looking for something that's mechanical, but he wants something that's automatic. He wants something that comes naturally. Sister April pray, Lord, let us worship you naturally. Let us be ourselves. He wants you to be yourself. He wants you to be devoted. You won't find your true self until you get devoted. Because some of you don't know what's locked up on the inside of you. You listen to what everybody else said you should do. Have you listened to God? God knows exactly who you're called to be. I don't care how much you jacked up. I don't care how many mistakes you've made. I don't care how many setbacks you've made. I don't care what has happened. God knows who you are. God can take a crackhead and turn a crackhead around. God can take a prostitute and turn a prostitute around. God can change a homosexual. God can do whatever he needs to do. Because destiny is locked up on the inside of you, and he's the one that has the key. If you believe that, say amen. He's the one that has the key. So this is what we need to do. And God just spoke it to me like this, and I'm just going to give an example of how he gave it to me. I'm going to use this little section right here. God is saying today, if you're going to be devoted, you've got to be willing to put it all on the table. Everything. You've got to be willing to put it all on the table. That means that you've got to be willing to put your wallet on the table, your cash on the table, your debit cards, your credit cards and loans. You've got to be willing to put everything on the table. Your cell phone. What's your cell phone represent? All your relationships. All your connections. Everything on the table. Your house. Your car. Everything. Because it's not yours anyway. You're just a steward of it. Your 401k. Your 403b. Your Roth IRA. It's not yours anyway. You have to be willing to pay... Brother, we like our gadgets. Come on, I want my iPad 2 this weekend. And I went looking for it. Everybody was sold out. I said, okay, Lord. Because I prayed. I said, Lord, if you want me to have it, I'll have it. The door was closed. I said, okay, Lord, I'll be content with the iPad 1 for right now. Okay. I have to put that on the table. Everything. Brothers, your 42-inch TV. Ladies, I wish I had a pair of shoes. Your shoes. On the table. Neiman Marcus. I hear the Lord saying Neiman Marcus and Macy's. Oh, my God, I hit Century 21, April. Oh, my God. Put it on the table. Put it all on the table. Some of you need to pitch your marriage on the table. Lay it all down. Lay it all, Lord, this is yours. If I want to devote myself to you, you have access to everything I have. And whatever you want to do with it, let your will be done. God wants you to put it all on, to put your job on the table. You might not be in the job he wants you to have anyway. You might not have the proper major he wants you to have anyway. Put it on the table. Put it on the table. God wants you to lay it all down. See, the problem is we don't want to put it, we don't want to pull out all our cards. We want to hold, we want to at least hold something. Hold little something, son. Lord, don't take it all. Because our fear is that God 
do something that we really don't want to do. And that's just not the case. This is an opportunity for you to experience God in another way that you've never experienced Him before. We're talking about life abundantly. He said, I come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Abundantly. He said, I want you to put it all on the table. I'm giving it all to you. Everything I have, everything that's in it, everything that people don't know about, I'm laying it on the table. I'm giving it to you. God is not a bully trying to steal your lunch money because it's his anyway. First Timothy, let me, let me paraphrase. You was born naked and you're going to die empty-handed. First Timothy 6, 7, you read it. That's, 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 the, that's the Arthur Shabbat understanding of it. You're born naked and you're going to die empty-handed. It all belongs to God. Put it all on the table. And here's the last thing. Where everything is on the table, throw yourself on the table. Throw yourself on the table. Now, I can't get on this little table. Throw yourself on the table. Imagine me standing on the table. The mothers used to say, put it all on the altar. You're allowed to answer, is it all on the altar? Put it on, lay it down. Put it on the table. Because let me tell you, that the Bible says where your treasure is, <laughs> this is where your heart is. This is where your heart is. This is where your heart is. Where your treasure. See, this is the stuff we don't want to give up. Because it's connected to our hearts. And so it messes up our heart many times because God doesn't really have our heart. We'll do the art to look like it's so, but it's not. When God has access to all these things, that's where you start living life. When you lay yourself on the table and say, Lord, here I am. I am a living sacrifice. That's where you start living. That's where you really start living. If you want to pitch your dream, come on. Abraham had to take Isaac. Now, this is the, now mind you, he went through all of that turmoil. Okay, all of that, pro all, all the time of waiting. Okay, he made a mistake. Okay, finally the blessing comes. So God says, okay, I need you to take him up on Mount Moriah. Come on, I, I need you to sacrifice him. He's challenging Abraham. Are you so focused on the blessing or the one who gave the blessing? I need you to put it all on the table. Your Isaac is of everything that's precious to you. Come on, for some of you, it's your bread and butter. Wherever it is, come on, what do you spend most of your time doing? Come on, how many times do your spouse have to call you to tell you when you're coming home? Come on, come on, what's, what's up? Come on, work is work will always be, you'll be, you be dead if someone, the work will still be there. How much really can you get done in a day? Come on, come on, where's your heart? I can't even get you to come to prayer because I've got to be out. Ain't nothing wrong with work. Now, I believe in working hard. I want to tell you, 12 o'clock, where you at? I'm in the office, honey. Get, get in the microwave. I'm coming. I believe in working hard. I do. Worked hard so much, I lost 18 pounds in the last three weeks. How about that? Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come on. I believe in working hard, but who has your heart? Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Lay it on the table. Lay it on the table. 
Don't be scared about what God is going to say. Lay, lay your dream on the table. Oh, my God, I just felt that. Lay your dream on the table. Lord, but I've been waiting. I'm, I've been working to get this thing done. I want to start this business. I want to do this ministry. I have this dream. Lay that on the table. Lay it on the table. Lord, but I thought my mouth was going to turn around, and I'm waiting for you to do it. Lay it on the table. Lay it on the table. Lay it on the table. Lay yourself on the table. Get real with God. Get naked before him because everything is bare before his sight anyway. He's looking for true devotion today. He's looking for true devotion today. There's a beautiful song by Hillsong United. It's actually called Devotion. And the verse says, I've been running, trying to be one who sees. I've been working, salvation out on my knees. There is nothing better than knowing that we are redeemed. I'm believing, trusting in creative hands. I am praying for our world to bow down to your plan. And this one thought is unmistakable. I take up my cross and I follow you, Lord. When you stand, the tall trees and the mountains bow. When you speak, the fiercest of oceans is still. And I see the sinners seek devotion. The lost become chosen. And I fall to my knees. God is looking for us to be devoted to him today. If we're going to take territory... If we're going to dominate today, God is charging our devotion this morning. If you don't know Jesus Christ, that's the ultimate devotion, to live a life for him. But you say, well, Pastor, I've been following Jesus. I've been following him. I've been trusting him. But God said there's a deeper devotion. Could it be possible that you could be doing more? Come on. Could it be possible that there is something else that God is tapping on that he wants to get your attention about? Could it be another area God is calling out to you when he said, I want you to devote this area to me? He wants us to be devoted to him today. He's calling us to trust him today. If that's you this morning, I just want you to stand. I'm challenging you to stand. He sees it anyway. You ain't hiding from me. It's between you and God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, we're coming before you this morning because we need you, Lord. You want us to live a life that's devoted, to pick up our cross and to follow you. So, Father, here we are, surrendered, Lord God, washed in your blood this morning, Lord. I we're asking that you would cleanse us, Lord God, from our sins, Lord God. Forgive us for our shortcomings. Forgive us for the errors in which we have not been devoted to you. But, Father, you're calling for us to lay it all on the table and to lay ourselves on the table. You want us to surrender to you, to trust you. 
So, Father, we're calling out to you this morning. And we're asking that you will help us and that you will take us into a deeper devotion. Oh, God, some of us have seen part of the promise come to pass. But we're waiting for the other parts to come on in, Lord. And, God, we get tempted to try to do it our own way. And sometimes we grow impatient. But, Father, we're going to wait on the Lord this morning because you're going to renew our strength. You're going to turn things around. You're going to do that what you said you're going to do. And we're going to take territory for you. So, Father, we're trusting you this morning. We're trusting you. We're giving you our full devotion this morning, Lord. We're seeking your face. We're trusting in you like never before. If you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm going to give you the opportunity of a lifetime this morning. Whether you're here presently or you're listening to this podcast, I want to give you the opportunity of a lifetime. You will not live your life to its fullest without Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died for our sins. He lived a life that was ultimately full of devotion to his heavenly Father. And to his very end, when he gave up the ghost, he lived a life full of devotion. And so he's calling you today to come to him. He said, come to me who are weary and heavy laden. He said, I will give you rest. In other words, I will give you life abundantly. If that's you this morning, God is calling you. He's knocking at your door this morning because he loves you with an everlasting love. And he said, I want to dominate you with my love. Other people have dominated you for the wrong reasons, for their own personal gain, what they can get from you, what they can manipulate from you. But God is saying to you this morning, I love you with an everlasting love. And I want to dominate you because I love you. I want to show you how much I care, that I gave my very son for you. That's how much I care. If you're saying, Pastor, I want to devote my life to Jesus Christ this morning, just repeat this prayer after me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you this morning. And I am a sinner seeking to be devoted to you. I believe that God has raised Jesus from the dead. And he's now alive, sitting on the right hand of the Father. And your word says, if I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that I shall be saved. Saved, meaning a life of devotion. So, Father, I commit myself to you. In Jesus' name I pray. If you prayed that prayer... You have received Jesus Christ in your life, and heaven is throwing a party and celebrating over one soul that comes in.